You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. This is Mamma Mia Daily, the three stories you need to hear today, read by the women who wrote them. I'm Melody Tay, editor of mamamia.com.au, and on today's show, we explore the judgment that weighs on first-time parents and find out why water bottles are the new security blankets for millennials. But first, Gemma Bath has the latest on swimming's transgender athlete ban. Swimming's world governing body has made a big decision this week. They've effectively banned transgender swimmers from participating in women's elite races. The new policy will require transgender competitors to complete their transition by the age of 12 in order to compete in women's competitions. But the organisation has created a working group to establish an open category for transgender athletes in some events. FINA's president says that while they welcome every athlete, they made the decision to protect the rights of their athletes and protect competitive fairness at their events. The policy was passed with a roughly 71% majority, and it'll affect swimmers like America's Leah Thomas, who recently became the first transgender National Collegiate Athletic Association champion in American history, winning the women's 500-yard freestyle. The 22-year-old transitioned in 2018, so under these new rules, her dream of competing in the next Olympics is over. There's been a lot of mixed reactions to the news. LGBTQI plus advocacy group Athlete Ally have called the new criteria discriminatory, harmful and unscientific. And Mama Alto, the CEO of Transgender Victoria, says it sets a disappointing precedent. She's really hoping that this decision doesn't trickle down to community sport. Australian Olympian Kate Campbell, she supports the move. She says women have fought long and hard to be included and to be seen as equals in sport and thinks the female category should prioritise competitive fairness. However, she hopes that young, gender-diverse children can feel acceptance when they walk into a swimming club. But fellow Olympic swimmer Maddie Groves fired back at her comments. So you ban them from competing with their peers, you're okay with ostracising an already marginalised group? Real accepting, she said. There's no doubt this is a divisive issue, and FINA's decision will pave the way for other sporting bodies to follow in their footsteps. That's already happening. The International Rugby League has now also banned transgender women from matches. They've announced an all-out ban until further research is completed to enable the IRL to implement a formal transgender inclusion policy. We also know that World Athletics and FIFA is looking at their rules. I'm Gemma Bath for Mamma Mia Daily. Along with the cards and well wishes after you officially announce your pregnancy, there comes a less welcome side order of judgement thanks to your new status as a mum-to-be. There might be judgment on your pregnant body and how it looks, what you eat and drink. There might be comments on how you birth, feed, hold and dress your baby. Judgment on how quickly or not your body returns to its pre-baby size and whether you return to work or choose to stay at home. Comments about how many kids you have, what age you are, when you have them, what gender they are and how quickly or slowly you choose or don't choose to have subsequent babies. 
It's a whole new world of sometimes surprising but unnecessary judgment that I wish we mums didn't have to put up with at an already challenging time in our lives. I'm a mum of two boys and I have very vivid memories of how the judgment felt. With my first pregnancy in 2010, I found the constant commentary on my body shape and size very uncomfortable. Different days I would be told my bump was huge or tiny. Someone once asked me to do a little spin so my colleague could decide if I looked pregnant from behind. I did not enjoy the assumption I would want caffeine-free tea, I didn't, or being scolded like a child for wearing a small heel to a wedding in case I fell and hurt the baby. After many years of only having one child, random people would comment about us having another baby so that poor Toby could have a sibling and not end up lonely. The same people usually felt terrible when I told them we had suffered multiple miscarriages in our attempt to conceive, which led me to question why people say these things at all. With my birth plan, my obstetrician advised me, for various reasons, to opt for a C-section. I felt comfortable with this choice, until I went into hospital to have my second baby, also by C-section, in February 2017. Before even saying hello, the midwife loudly asked me why I was booked in for a C-section. I could sense her disapproval and judgement and I felt annoyed and upset that my birth plan mattered so much to her she demanded a reason for it. Now that my kids are both at school, these early days of intense scrutiny and judgement seem thankfully far away in the distant past. In spite of wearing heels, having an enormous bump, delivering both babies by C-section and only doing a bit of breastfeeding, my sons seem as happy and healthy and well-adjusted as any other kids I know. The problem with judging new mums, especially first-time mums, is that they are incredibly vulnerable, as well as exhausted. I cried many times at being made to feel like I wasn't doing motherhood right, but it was really only someone else's opinion that I was too tired to ignore. I hope we are not too far from a time when all new mums are surprised by the lack of judgement they receive, and instead are given all the support, respect and love they deserve for the incredibly important job they do. I'm Laura Jekyll. Family writer for Mamma Mia. We need to talk about millennials and our obsession with water bottles by me, Chelsea McLaughlin. So a while ago, my friends and I went on a road trip. I was the first in the car, throwing my overnight bag in the boot while clutching in my hand the front seat essentials, my phone, my snack of choice, and my water bottle. As we darted between the rest of the group's houses, the boot filled up with bags, and the back seat filled up with humans and their bottles. The playlist of early 2000s bangers was the same, but unlike the road trips of yesteryear, it was actually H2O in those bottles, all cute, fashionable reusables. No repurposed plastic or cheap vodka in sight. It cemented something I'd been pondering for ages. Millennial consumption of water has changed. Hydration just never seemed that important growing up. Juice boxes were sent with primary school lunches, And I remember surviving at high school without so much as a sip from the water fountains. At home, we drank water, but only because it was disguised by a sugary, sweet cordial. Water, as in just water, straight from the tap into a glass, just wasn't a thing. If you really needed it, it came in a plastic bottle you'd previously purchased from the supermarket, or an opaque plastic one with corporate branding you'd been given for free. Then, somewhere along the way, drinking water changed for us. There were glass bottles and metal bottles, bottles with crystals, bottles that folded up and bottles that had measurements on the sides so you could gamify your intake. Drinking water is the ultimate in self-care. It's literally imperative for our survival that we do it. 
So as we drowned our faces with serums and invested in athleisure, we also found ourselves drawn to cute, Instagrammable water bottles. Some may consider a fancy water bottle to be a frivolous purchase. Taps and glasses still exist, and they're not $49.99 plus shipping. But to that I say, a glass simply does not spark joy like a cute patterned bottle that keeps my water cool for 12 hours, or a roller bottle that aims to clean up our oceans. But while they keep us hydrated and are environmentally friendly, I don't think that's the main reason we've come to see our water bottles as extensions of ourselves. I'm no psychologist, but I am a millennial with existential dread and a longing to live in a boring, non-historically significant timeline. A fancy water bottle is a tiny, joyful remedy to the madness around us. Water bottles promise order and reliability. Those aren't things that we get enough of these days, so we're clutching at straws sometimes literally, to find them wherever we can. Things are falling apart around us, and we have no idea what kind of chaos and disorder the future may hold. But if we have to worry, at least we'll be well hydrated while doing so. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mamma Mia Daily. And for more from our writers, check out their online profile links in the show notes. I'm Melody Tay, editor of mamamia.com.au. The show's executive producer is Talissa Bazaz, and our audio producer is Tom Lyon. We'll be back tomorrow with the three stories you need to hear, read by the women who wrote them. See you then. When you become a Mamma Mia subscriber, you get access to every podcast, exclusive videos, and all the great articles on mamamia.com.au. And of course, you will be supporting our team of female journalists and producers. Check out our show notes for more info. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month.